0: Uh, pastor Chad is with our great friends, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Melody at iHeart Church today in Beckley, preaching for them. So I have the privilege of being with you. Uh, my name is Pastor Josh. I have the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Bethesda, overseeing our staff and our day-to-day operations. And uh, I'm just so excited to get to continue message three of the Will Two uh, series. It's been so powerful my favorite part from last week was the very end line that Pastor Chad gave us that said, if you are not able to push the plow, you are not gonna be able to carry the mantle. And so that's something that wrecked me as I was preparing this week for for message three, the will to work. And um, it's something that I'm excited about because for those of you that know me, I'm extremely white and black. There is no gray area in my life And so uh, I love to mark off tasks and to get things done and to be effective and efficient. And so uh, I'm just excited to be with you today. Uh, Let's get ready to get into the word. Judges 3 says, these are the nations that God left there, using them to test the Israelites who had no experience in the Canaanite wars. He did it to train the descendants of Israel, the ones who had no battle experience in the art of war. What I love about this series is we're doing something different than we normally do is we normally go through the word and we pick out all the stories of the miracles and the miraculous things that God has done. But the cool part about this series is is not only are we showing that, but we're showing everything that came before it. As Pastor Chad has been saying the past couple weeks, Bethesda, didn't, this just didn't happen. It didn't just look like this one day. Um, I've been here almost 10 years now in, in different roles. And I remember when Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen, and we started with 70 people, and, and it just looked way different than it does now. And so as we move forward and all of these things, I'm just so appreciative to be such a small part of the miracle that is Bethesda. I'm just so thankful to be able to serve in just a small portion of what God is doing in this place. And it's just awesome to see week in and week out. But as I begin to think about the will to work, and I really got to thinking about the, the type of work. So like some work is more mental, some is more physical, some is extremely stressful, some's not. But what I realized is that there is a common link between work is that you are there to accomplish a task. You are there to be efficient. You are there to get something done. You are there to make a difference. Uh, Something I tell our staff all the time and a motto that I try to live by is leave it better than you found it. Every day, if you leave it better than you found it, then you made a difference. And so this is something, this message is something I'm extremely passionate about. So just roll with me. I preached really hard at the first service and um, God did some amazing things. So I'm just so excited for what God wants to say through this message. Something uh, crazy happened this week on my way to, to the office on Tuesday, something that normally doesn't happen when I'm sermon prepping. I was driving down the road and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and he reminded me of a story that I'm going to share with you at the end of the message. And I just wept the entire way into work as God just moved and just downloaded some things into my spirit. So I'm asking that you would just sit tight with me, buckle up. This is going to be a tough message. Uh, but God has something he want, he, some things he wants to say for you and for the house. And so let's dive in. Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, as the Holy Spirit led me to Matthew 28, to this scripture, as I was preparing the will to work, I found it very intriguing that this is what Jesus, this is the message that Jesus chooses to relay before he gets taken up. That of all the things that he talked about, he gathered the disciples around and said, guys, guys, this is what I need you to do. We do this all the time with our staff here at Bethesda. We gather them all around and we say, all right, guys, I need you to do A, B, and C, and this is gonna be our focus for this week and for next quarter and for next year. These are the things that we're gonna do, which I think is why why I find Jesus's leadership style so intriguing, that of all the things that he could have said in Matthew 28 before he left the earth, he said these things. It's called the Great Commission. It was something that would require a lot of work. Mark 16, 19 says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. See, Jesus wasn't giving them a long list of things that they had to do. He wasn't giving them 47 steps to positivity or anything like that. It was very simple. He said, what you saw me do, I need you to go and do that. Very simple. What you saw me do, go teach, preach, and minister. I need you to go do that. That's it. Of all the things that he could have told him, this is what he told him in Matthew 28. And as I was studying this, my executive pastor side kicked in and I said, I wonder how many people it actually does take to reach a city. How many people that it would take to reach the world? How many people would need to serve? How many new team leaders we would need? How many new small group leaders we would need? How many people would it take to reach a city? I love that Jesus was just so simple. He said, I need you to go out and I need you to reach people. It's extremely simple, but it's so difficult. See, it's not the Great Commission for you to come to church every week and hold down a seat. That's what pastor has been talking about for the past two weeks. This entire series is he's trying to get us to go to the next level so that God can give us the things that he has for us. Let's go be quiet today. I know it's okay. Nine o'clock was quiet. You could hear crickets. I believe that God really, if you can get a hold of this today, that God really wants to just deposit this in your spirit so that it can come to fruition, so that he can not only take you to the next level, so that he can take us to the next level. God has so much more for every person under the sound of my voice and watching online than to come in and sit in a chair and go home. Every person in here, God has a plan and a purpose for you, and it is to reach people. Whether you know that or not, whether you like that or not, that's the plan. God has developed and created all of us to reach people. What we must remember is that when Jesus met the disciples, that they were fishermen, Now, I venture to think that in those days, fishing, I know some people in the house really like fishing. I'm not a fisherman, uh, but a lot of people really like fishing. I think it's because it's so peaceful and tranquil. I imagine that back in those days that the fishermen would get up before daylight and they would be out on the lake by the time the sun came up. They would never be dealing with any of the hustle and the bustle of the city, any of the stress or the pressure. The Bible even talks about that they would go for days and days and catch nothing. Now, I don't know if they took a nap while they were on the boat. They're like playing cards. I don't know what they're doing, but they're just out on the boat. But to me, that sounds extremely boring. Sounds extremely boring. It would be hard to sit there all day and catch nothing. And then one day they were out on the lake catching nothing and some words changed everything. Jesus walked by and he said, boys, I think that's how he talked to him, boys. I have the mic, so it's my interpretation of the moment. He said, boys, follow me. And so they dropped everything and they followed him. It was a moment that changed their life. The Bible shows us this in Matthew 4, 18. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Most of us have heard that before. but The most interesting part is when you piece it together with what happens next. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them. And large crowds followed Galilee from Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea and across the region of the Jordan. So in other words, one day they're living this nice, peaceful boat life. And then Jesus walks by and he says, guys, I got more for you than that. Follow me. And then the next scene that we see them jump into is complete chaos, at least in their eyes. So they left the peaceful boat life and followed Jesus. And then the next thing that they know, they have all of these people running up to them as they're following Jesus through these towns and cities and all of these different streets. They have people running up, master, master, heal me, heal me. And they've got they're possessed with demons, they have sicknesses, there are lepers coming to them. And I just believe in my mind, that if I were to switch places with the disciples, that I'd be like, man, this is so much harder than I thought it was gonna be. I might wanna go back to the boat. So much harder than I thought it was gonna be. Because Jesus says, the moment you decide to truly pick up and follow me, what will follow you is hurting humanity. This is something that, that we see every day in ministry that, that not a lot of folks get to see is, the one-on-ones and the conversations that we get to have with people who are hurting, sharing the hope of Jesus with them. It's such a cool thing, but it's not just for pastoral staff. It's for everybody who is a believer. So often, this is gonna be tough, hear me. No, I still love you. Hopefully you still love me at the end. But so often the church has made Christianity look more like the boat than it does the sea of hurting humanity. So often. See, many times God will put things in our boat to cause us to get out. I know he's done that over and over in my life, over and over. Often in our Christian walk, when we get involved, And then things just get to seem a little bit too demanding. We want to go back to the boat. I've seen it over years and years in ministry. You have people that come in and they get saved and they're on fire and they love the Lord. And then they start serving. And then three or four months later, you can't find them. It's because they didn't fan the flame on the inside of themselves. They didn't put the word in and let Jesus just fill them each and every day. Or if they did do that, when they got involved, they said, it's too demanding, I'll come back later. It's so hard to see that cycle repeated over and over. But I need need you to hear this. If we do not have the will to work, the will to serve, the will to reach others, and we turn and go back to the boat, people will die and they will go to hell. we are called to follow him, not to go back to the boat life. So I'm so passionate and enjoy serving on our dream team is because these are some of the most selfless people I have met in my entire life. Most of you will never see it. There are people here before I get here on Sundays. There are people coming in at 5 a.m. turning lights on and wiping tables down and starting coffee and all kinds of things that you never see. I am so thankful for those people that they have a heart to serve and come early and stay late and yes, pastor, whatever you need me to do, I don't care if it's mop a bathroom or if it's come up and pray for somebody. Whatever you need me to do to further the kingdom. There's such a blessing in that, not only for us, but for them. Some of the most selfless people I've met in my entire life. And we could not reach the amount of people that God allows us to reach without them and without you. Give our dream team a hand. Thank you, guys. See, every invitation that Jesus sends, there's always some sort of next step. There's always some kind of action attached. Often what we do as Christians is build our working and serving roles around an invite. Now let me explain before you get mad. Our thoughts are, if I drop enough flyers through enough doors or onto enough doormats, then I get extra points in heaven. But what you don't tell us when you say, Pastor, I gave out all the invites you gave me. What you don't tell us is that you waited until everybody in your neighborhood left. And then you sent your children to each door to drop these postcards and invites in people's mailboxes because We are afraid to have a conversation with a real person about Jesus. So many times because we just don't want to have the conversation. We don't want to be inconvenienced. I told you it's going to be tough today. We spend a lot of time as the church telling people to come to God's house and that's great and you should. I appreciate every invite that you ever give out. But at some point, there are people that will never walk through the doors of this amazing building. At some point, we as believers, we as carriers of hope of the message of Jesus Christ, we have to meet people where they are on their terms in their homes. That's how we truly make a difference. That's why in the story of the Good Samaritan, he wasn't the Good Samaritan because he stopped He was the good Samaritan because he got involved. We are called to a great involvement, not a great attendance. We are called to have the will to reach and serve others and work as he did. We must connect people with their action step. We have to. We have to give them their next step. And today I want to show you a couple of examples of the will to work and how it will always cost you something. It's a story that i preached many times from the end, many times from the end. And most of you know it. That's why I love this series is because we're not just focusing on the amazing thing God did, even though that's amazing. We're focusing on the struggles and the process and the battle that it took to get there. So you've heard us preach this story before of Paul and Silas at the prison in Acts 16, where suddenly an earthquake came and the doors flew open and the chains fell off and they were so excited, right, that God intervened and he came through on their behalf. And they should have been. That's amazing. Which is all true, but I wanna show you the beginning, the struggles and why they were in prison. A lot of times, we as believers ask God and we plead with him, God, break into my prison, break, in, break off my chains, God, intervene in my life. And he will and he's faithful, but there is something so amazing about if you are reaching somebody else and you are taking his message of hope out, it triggers heaven for him to come and move on your behalf. So I have to show you something that happened back here, even though the miracle ended up over here. Because there's always something more that God wants to show us. There's always another level that he wants to take us to. We have to understand the things that trigger God to step in in our lives. So I'm gonna show you a couple of those today. Acts 16, verse 16 says, One day on our way to a place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic and with her fortune telling made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around and calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, these men are working for the most high God. They're laying out the road to salvation for you. And she did this for a number of days. So here we have the apostle Paul on his way to a prayer meeting and he literally bumps into this slave girl. This could be strong, but just ride with me for a minute. And so many times in our lives, while we are on our way to things that sound spiritual, things that we think are important, we miss completely the people that God has put in our path to reach for things that sound spiritual. Things that sound spiritual. I mean, it wasn't like Paul didn't know that he bumped into her, right? He literally ran into her. Now, if you're like me, your day is probably scheduled from the moment you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed. A, B, C, we've got to check all these things off today before we can move forward. Oftentimes, our schedules rule our day and we have no time for people that are in our way. And this is a tough one for me. Anybody that's extremely task-driven and task-oriented and black and white, this one is really tough for me. Something God's been teaching me over the past few months is all of these things are great. A, B, and C, and one, two, three, all these things that we can do and check off, they're all great. But God has so much more for me and so much more for us than that. He has put people in our way for us to reach, not for the pastoral staff to reach, not for the dream team to reach, for you to reach. What we must remember is that at some point, hear me, at some point, we were the person that was in the way. That's good, Who am I to not stop for somebody that's in my way when there were others that stopped for me? Yes. And if they hadn't stopped, my life would look completely different than it looks right now. Thank God for mentors and people that'll bring you along even when you don't deserve it. So he's on his way and he bumps into the slave girl. And it says that Paul carried on with what he was doing, teaching, preaching, ministering. Now, I don't know about you, but that would get kind of old if somebody's up here yelling while I'm preaching. He knows the way. He's telling you how to get to heaven, but he won't help me. He knows the way some reason he won't help me though. Here he is doing all these things about ministry and he couldn't care less if I ever get where I need to be. So for days, this goes on. She follows him as he's teaching and preaching and she's shouting, he knows the way and she's heckling him. Now in my mind, I stop right there and I just pause because I'm like, "How God, how does Paul not see that this girl needs help? Why, if he's doing the work of the ministry, did he not stop and help her? I mean, we're going on two, three, four days now, the Bible says. And then God just spoke to me softly and he said, I wonder how many of these people are following you. And I said, God, that's not what I want to hear. (laughs) How many of these people are following you? How many of these people are following us? It's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough series. But I wonder how many depressed people, bitter people, broken people are following us every day and we don't even have the common courtesy to stop. But yet, if the shoe was on the other foot, bless God, we'd be mad if somebody didn't stop. And I wonder how many of them are saying, I think they know the way. I think they can help me, but they won't. I think they know the way, I think they can help me, but they won't, they refuse to. I wonder how many of people, how many of these folks are at our jobs, and our schools and at our colleges that are hopeless and they're just looking for somebody to stop and not just give them lip service, but get involved. We are called to have the will to work, the will to reach people. We are all commanded to do that. Do you know statistics say that the global church, however many billions that is, that 80% have never shared their faith with another person, ever. 80% have never told not even one person about Jesus. So I'm thinking one out of every five is not a very good stat. And then I got to thinking, what if that stat was reversed and it was 80 and it was four out of every five have told how many more people would, be, would we be reaching for the kingdom and for the harvest that God has for us if we would just get out of our own way and let God do what he wants to do? We've got to have the will to work. So we go on and this girl's heckling Paul and scripture says, finally, after many days, it says finally, it wasn't even spiritual at this point. He got frustrated in the flesh. And scripture says, until Paul finally fed up with her, turned and commanded the spirit that possessed her out in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. And it was gone just like that. It wasn't even spiritual. Bless God, go. Why didn't you do that four days ago? I and mean, why did He put up with it? I don't understand that. So I began to dig a little deeper. Reaching others will always cost us something. It will always cost us something. See, action doesn't look like invitation, because with invitation, you can hit and run. Bless God, here's the flyer. I'll see you next week means you don't have to get involved. Have you guys ever been having a conversation with somebody one-on-one and you know the next sentence that's about to come out of their mouth is gonna be something that they put in your court and you're gonna have to deal with it? Many times we don't even get to, we not, see y'all later. It's good to see you. We turn and walk away because we're afraid of getting involved. Afraid of stepping in. Involvement looks like when you stop and you roll your sleeves up and you get involved and help someone. It is not that difficult of a theory to grab hold of. That's right, I'm preaching good, I know. (laughs) Because when you stop and you get involved and you help somebody get free, guess what? All the mess that was on their life is now sitting in your living room for you to take care of. It's called the transference of burdens. See, Paul found out that now the girl was free, that he was about to be bound. We never read this part of the story because it's not the fun, feel good part. I gotta hurry. There's a reason why he ended up in chains and in prison, because he was willing to get involved. And see, Paul knew what it was to get involved, That's not something that was missing from his life. But it is interesting to me how for whatever reason, different seasons in our life that we tend to get involved and then we don't. Roller coaster. And when we're up, we're up, but when we're down, we're down. And it's interesting to me of all the people that have come and told me over the years, well, pastor, when my college schedule changes, I'm going to come and serve, whatever you need me to do. I don't care if it's vacuuming a floor. Pastor, when uh, when my job changes, I'll be there. Pastor, when so-and-so can serve with me, I'll come. Or what about when my kids' sports schedules change? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because there's nothing wrong with any of the things we just talked about. But the Bible talks that there is always structure and there is always order. And there are priorities that are more important than everything that we just listed on that list. And one of our top priorities should be reaching others and reaching lost people. I mean, if Jesus left the 99 to go for the one, then who am I not to go after that person? We're so thankful for the 99, but we exist for the people that aren't here yet. We're so thankful you're here. Thank you but we exist for those that aren't here yet. We exist for those who are far from God. And so he found out that because she was free, he was about to be bound. We use so many excuses. We've all done it. And I know we know we all know how to stop. We have to be intentional, but we all know how to stop. But here's the interesting part that I dug into more. It says, Paul knew how to stop, but only a few verses before this, he stopped for someone else. So why would he stop for someone else and not stop for our slave girl? And that's what really baffled me as I was preparing for this message. There's another story, two or three verses before our text in Acts 16. It's a story of a lady named Lydia. Now the Bible tells us that she was very wealthy She had a nice house, and she said, Paul, will you stop, and will you come home with me? See, Paul had been on his way to a prayer meeting. Isn't that funny how it's so similar? And he bumped into her as well. And she said, will you stop? And long story short, her whole family ended up getting baptized, and she said, Paul, can you come to my house? I want to thank you for just being at this prayer meeting, all these things. And the word says that she extended him an offer of food and, and shelter where he could rest and wash up and all these things. The thing is that Lydia was a wealthy woman. The slave girl wasn't. She had things that she could offer him. And I wonder if sometimes as believers that we don't get this thing that I like to call selective involvement. Selective involvement is, uh, I don't really want to deal with the mess of the slave girl over here. Lydia, I'll come to your house because you can offer me food and a place to change and a place to just relax and refresh before I go back out on the trail. It's so tough. Because why would he stop for Lydia but not stop for the slave girl? Is it because she had benefits attached? I mean, I have to believe that he saw that. I believe he saw that it could be beneficial. But the slave girl was messy and she had nothing to offer him. So he he didn't want to stop there till he just got fed up in the flesh and said, go. But we must be willing to stop for whoever it is that God places in our path. We have to, that's a non-negotiable. Many times, this could be tough. Many times in our life, we only stop and help those that can help us in return. It's easy to serve somebody who can open doors for you and put you in places that you wanna be, but it's so hard to serve somebody that doesn't have two pennies to rub together and can never, ever return your favor. So easy to serve people that can open doors for you. I mean, isn't that why we all got saved in the first place? Is to fulfill the great commission and populate heaven to steal people out of hell who are far from God. Y'all are awesome. Patty cake. Bless God, this is not something that we want to hear because I want to come and I want to sit in the seat and I want to reap the benefits of the battle, but I don't ever want to fight. The Bible says in Acts 16... When her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas, roughed them up and dragged them into the market square. Then the police arrested them and pulled them into a court with the accusation saying, these men are disturbing the peace, dangerous Jewish agitators subverting our Roman law and order. By this time, the crowd had turned into a restless mob out for blood. The judges went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off and ordered a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so that there would be no chance of escape. He did just that, threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped them with leg irons. Wow. When you decide that you are gonna get involved, the enemy's focus shifts from those that you helped freed to you. The enemy's focus shifts from those that you helped and now it's a bullseye on you. Yay for involvement, right? Y'all look excited to start serving. But we normally start at the next verse at chapter 25 or verse 25 where it says, suddenly about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns when an earthquake shook the jail. But That's not where it started. They had been through a lot of things before they got to this point of the miracle where God intervened. And when they got the chains on their life because they got involved, God said, leave the rest to me because you got involved, I will get involved. That is for somebody today because you are gonna be willing to get involved and reach others who are far from God. God is gonna get intervening in your situation for your purpose to take you where he wants you to go. We have to understand the things that trigger God to move on our behalf. This doesn't happen overnight. There have been so many battles that I've seen Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen walk through and so faithfully and because they did that and while they were doing that, they uh, were willing to stop and help everybody else. And so it triggered God to not only move on the behalf of those that were bound, it triggered him to move to take them to the next level. God says, I promise you that if you help the slave girl, I'll help you in the prison. We don't want to hear that because that means that i got to do something. It means I've got to take an action step because it's awesome to come in and get my coffee. And if you're new, I love you. We don't expect you to serve. Bethesda is a place where you can belong before you believe. But baby, after you've been here about six or eight months, it's time for you to serve. It's time for you to give to somebody else instead of just reaping benefit after benefit. We have to have the will to work, the will to serve, the will to reach people. Pastor Chad tells us all the time that if we will do what we can do, then God will do what only he can do. And God can do more in a moment than I can do in a lifetime. We all have people in our daily paths that we, are the only people that can reach them. So my choice is, my my question is today is what is your choice? Are you gonna choose to stop and help the people that are in your path? Are you gonna choose to go on about your way, hoping that somebody else will reach them? What if that never happens? Is there blood on your hands? It's not something that we like to think about. we get so busy doing kingdom business that we forget to ask, hey, King, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to reach somebody today? Do I need to just buy them lunch because they're having a terrible day? Do I need to take them a cup of coffee? Do I need to sit down and take five minutes and pray with them? God, tell me what you would have me do. See, God is speaking to us today saying, I need a church a global church that can step up and not have it be about a person or a staff or a pastoral license that you can step up and say, I am a believer in Christ. I can reach somebody. I can pull somebody out of darkness through Jesus. We are called to be those that unwrap people from bondage. And just because the, commit, the Great Commission isn't cool anymore doesn't mean it changed. Whew. Sorry, it's just something that I'm so passionate about. See, we can't come into church on Sunday and say, Pastor, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. I didn't have To reach out to anybody this week, you know, A, B, and C happen. When you've got people in your life shouting, I think they know the way. I think they know how I can get there. I think they know how I can get to the next level. Sorry, I didn't hear y'all yelling. I got stuff to do. Because all that is doing is that's us going back to our boat and saying, No, I want to be where I'm comfortable. God, I don't care what you've called me to do. I wanna be comfortable. God says, if we truly want a life that is full of adventure, pick up our cross and follow him. I'm so honored and, and privileged to be able to travel across the country some this year and get to speak with pastors and leaders of organizations and places that I never thought that I would get to see or rooms that I shouldn't be allowed in because when I started this thing 20 years ago and I came in and changed toilet paper rolls or mopped or, or cleaned bathrooms or took trash out, I never thought that doing something back here would release something that's over here. There's something so special about serving, about having the will to reach others unlock something in you and take you to places you never thought that you could go. Bottom line is, before I close with a story, we have to learn as individuals how to put ourselves on the back burner. You know why Bethesda is so successful? Is because it's never about one person. It's never been about one person. It's about whatever God says and who he wants to use and how he wants to move forward. Pastor Chad, and pastor, they're so humble and God has given them amazing gifts. But they are the first one that would tell you whatever God wants to do is fine with us. So as I close with a quick story, it's a story of a couple of young pastors. They had just taken a lead pastor role had been serving in their church for years but they just got elevated to lead pastors and the wife was wired a lot like me they were having meeting at the church that day about how funny is that outreach and reaching people And so the husband said dear you go on to the church I'll be there in a few minutes he said I just want to walk the dog it'll take me 20 minutes and I'll still be there in time for the meeting she said okay I'll go So the husband's walking around the neighborhood and he's walking the dog. And as he's completing his walk, coming around the home stretch, their dog, which is a bigger dog, took off running towards this older gentleman and his very small dog. So the young pastor went running. And he said, man, I'm sorry, I don't want our giant dog to hurt your dog. Said that the guy had just looked like he had been through some things. Have you ever just seen people that look like they have been through some things? And he said, as he was about to do a hit and run, right? He was getting ready to say, "Thanks, I don't, don't, I just didn't want the dog to hurt." And as he went to turn and walk away, this is the story that the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance Tuesday, where I wept all the way to work. That doesn't happen. That's not who I am. And so this pastor standing there talking to this older guy. And he feels the Holy Spirit say as he's getting ready to turn and walk away, he hears the Holy Spirit just whisper softly, forget about the meeting. This is what I have for you. Forget about the meeting. This is what I have for you. And so the young pastor turned and he asked the older gentleman, are you okay? And the older gentleman said, no, I'm not. He said, I'm actually just out for a walk to clear my head. He said, my son is 36 years old and he's in his bedroom at my house right now. I don't know what to do. He said, because last night he's a drug addict and he tried to overdose, but it didn't work. And he said he was so mad and and frustrated when he woke up this morning because he wasn't supposed to wake up that he said that he needs to go out and buy more stuff so that he can finish the job tonight. He said, I don't know what to do. That I have nowhere to turn. I don't know where to move forward. I don't know what our next step is. And the Holy Spirit just softly spoke to the young pastor and said, I need you to ask him if you can go to his house and have a cup of coffee. And so he did. He said, can I come to your house and have a cup of coffee? And the older gentleman said, I, he was shocked. But then he said, sure. Because when you truly meet somebody that's hurting, and they're in a hopeless situation and you truly want to get involved, God will open the doors. God will open the doors for you to make a difference. So the story goes is that he goes back to the house. Now at this point, the wife is getting mad. she has been at the church for an hour and a half waiting on him for this meeting. He doesn't know what's going on yet. She doesn't know what's going on. So he turns to this gentleman and this gentleman's name was Lawrence. He was 76 years old. And he goes to Lawrence's house and sits down on his couch for two and a half hours. You know what he didn't do? He didn't invite him. He didn't say, hey, I know you're going through some stuff, but hey, Sunday at 9 at 11, I'll save you a seat. He started building relationship with him and he talked about all kinds of things. And then about an hour, hour and 15 minutes in the conversation, he said, would it be okay if I just went upstairs and prayed for your son? And so he made the choice to get involved in this moment where that when he was walking the dog, he could have just turned away. He said, I'm gonna make a difference today. I'm gonna reach somebody so he starts building this relationship with this gentleman over the next two and a half hours and he goes and he prays with the son and starts building a relationship with him and then that's it it was over and over the next several months and long story short over the next several years Lawrence became somebody that these young pastors would have over for Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving and birthdays and holidays and, and yes it costs something the young pastor would go and have coffee and and talk with him every Tuesday and Thursday, so it cost him time. But when he came and he was at the family functions, they would always buy him presents and food and all of these things. Yes, it will cost you something. So a couple months go by and they've been meeting a couple times a week. And the young pastor says, hey, I'm just gonna drop by Lawrence's house today. He told his wife on the way to church. It was a Tuesday night, they said, and it was pouring down the rain. And he said, I don't think he'll be wanting to go because of the weather. But as he drove by his house, standing out in the pouring rain was not only Lawrence, ready to go, riding with him to church, but was his son, who was the addict, said, you know what, I'm gonna go because I wanna see what this is all about. So as you stand, He went to church that night, Lawrence and his son went to church with his young pastor. And they went through their service and he preached the message and the first hand that went up on the altar call, 76 year old Lawrence. He said, I need something that nobody on this earth can give me. I need something that nobody can give me. And I want you to hear today, is because this young pastor got involved and was able to deal with the messy parts of life, not just the fun stuff that we like doing, that he was able to share the hope of Jesus even when it's inconvenient. The cool part now is not only is Lawrence saved, a couple weeks later, his son got saved, delivered from drugs, five years ago. Lawrence has never missed a service in five years. Now, he at 81 years old is leading a small group that is helping other people with recovering addicts in their family. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I've articulated your word, God, as well as I know how. God, I preached everything that you've given me, how you told me to say it. I just ask, God, that you would just take these next few moments. God, everything we do all week is for these few moments. I want you to know that if you're under the sound of my voice today, either in-house or online, and you feel hopeless, and you feel like nobody cares, nobody's stopped, that you need somebody that's willing to get involved, need somebody that's willing to make a difference, somebody willing to help you with your next step, First step is a relationship with Christ. And I promise I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray with you. You're under the sound of my voice today. You don't know Jesus as your savior. You say, I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not leaving this room the same way that I came in. I'm not dragging the hell that I brought in here back out of here and putting it in my car with me. I need to bring it in here and I need to give it to somebody who's much stronger than I am. I need to lay it at the feet of Jesus. So, if that's you, I just ask that you would slip your hand up just long enough for me to see it. I just want to pray with you. You said everything in this message for this moment. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for the two salvations online. Thank you for that hand. God, I thank you that you are so good. God, that you are so faithful, God. And if that's you, if you raise your hand, we wanna wanna celebrate with you, but I I wanna pray with you first. Bethesda, let's pray so loud that our, our own ears can hear it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I'm a sinner. I've committed sins, but God, I need a Lord and a Savior. God, I ask that you would forgive me. God, that you would help me go to the next season of my life. God that you would help me to reach those that are far from God and that you would help me take my next step in Jesus name. Amen. Let's give all those folks a hand. Real quick, real quick. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to pray. This is I felt this so strongly at the first service and I feel it again you are under the sound of my voice today and you say, Pastor Josh, I know that what I'm doing is not enough. I know that what I'm doing is not enough. God's been stirring something in my spirit. He's been stirring something telling me that I've got I've to get involved. I've got to reach somebody. He's, even as while you were speaking, that he was bringing pictures of people's faces to my mind. People that were in my path that only I could reach. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up. I just want to pray a special prayer. Thank you for the hands all over the room. God, right now I pray for every single person, God, that has their hand lifted. God, I thank you. God, that you are doing something on the inside of them, God. God, that would just continue to deepen their desire and passion, God, to reach others for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would open every door that needs to be opened, God, and that you would close every door that needs to be closed. And God, right now, God, I ask that you would be with us each and every step of the way, God, as you empower us, God, to reach those that are lost and hurting in our community, God, and that you would send your presence with us, God, to give us the divine will, wisdom, and words to reach people, and God, we will never fail to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name I pray amen. So as the prayer team and staff comes, thank you so much. If you made a decision for Christ today, we would love to get to know you and help you take your next step. You can stop by the guest services table in the mid-building. We have an awesome gift for you. And uh, thank you so much for letting me be here today and for just hearing a little bit of my heart. But guys, we have to reach others. We have to reach others. Thank you so much.